Thank you for listening to Crossroads Community Church. At Crossroads, our mission is to be the church by exalting the glory of God, sharing and showing the love of Christ, and inviting others to be recipients of Christ's love. Now here's this week's message. Kind of looking at what is the gospel, walking through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, uh, what are called the gospels, to get an understanding of literally what is the gospel this morning. Our focus is going to be a little bit different, all right? Uh, we're still going to be walking through Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John kind of chronologically, uh, but instead of the previous questions we've been asking, what does God want to say to those who don't know him, and what does God want to say to us who do know him to tell others about him, here's what I want, regardless of your spiritual journey, regardless of where you're at spiritually, regardless of your age of life, stage in life, this is a question, and you'll see why, uh, I want us to all ask ourselves this morning, and that's... Just basically, what is God trying to teach me this morning? So here's here's what I want you to do. I want you to repeat after me. We're just going to read this. Ready? What is God? Okay, we're going to start over because nobody was ready. (laughs) Okay. Repeat after me. Repeat with me. Okay. Say this with me. Okay. I told you I'm scatterbrained. Say this with me. Ready? What is God trying to teach me? Now, this is important because... um, Jesus was by trade a carpenter. That's, that's what he was taught and that's what he did. But he was by human nature a teacher. By human nature, his, 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 his inert human desire, now he was God in the flesh, but his human nature was to teach others. And he spent his time, after um, picking his disciples and his team, he spent his time teaching them, but also equipping them so that they could go and teach others. The reason why the church exists today, and Paul says it throughout so many of his letters, is that while I was with you, we taught you this. We taught you that. We taught you this. And while Jesus was teaching people, uh, specifically his disciples, uh, his main teaching method was by demonstration. He didn't have them in a classroom saying, you know, here is, you know, what Psalm 34 says. He took them out. He taught them this is what the Word of God says. Then he took them out and demonstrated, here's how this applies. Here's how you can use this in your life and how you can help other people apply it to their lives. And here's what Luke writes about it in Luke chapter 4, verse 31 to 32. This is the Amplified Version. And he descended, meaning Jesus, into Capernaum, a town of Galilee, and there he continued to teach the people to educate them to equip them to take their level of understanding to a higher level to teach the people on the sabbath days and they were amazed at his teaching for his word was with authority and ability and weight and power in other words the way that he taught it 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 doesn't say this but it gives the kind of reference or or the unwritten intention that the previous people, the teachers of the law, that they weren't teaching with authority and ability and with weight and power. And that word authority literally means, um, it's uh, the Greek word exousia, and I'm probably mispronouncing that, but it literally means lawful authority. Not only did he teach with lawful authority, he had the lawful authority, and he had the power and might to enforce his authority, and he used it to demonstrate to the people his most powerful, most powerful demonstration method was by divine healing. 
over and over and over and over again, Jesus used divine healing to heal people, and he didn't heal them and send them home or didn't heal them and say, you know, here's your bill or here's your copay. He healed them, and he used it as a teaching opportunity to instruct them or to reveal some godly principle that they were yet unaware of. Now, we're going to walk through this. If you have a Bible, open it up to the book of Matthew, chapter 8. And I want to tell you in advance that uh, some of the stuff we're going to discuss may be a little bit uncomfortable because all of us, we know people who are sick, either are sick or were sick, or we have family and friends who were not healed and You know, they went home to be with the Lord because their sickness took them away. But we're going to look at this because God gives us some very specific explanations that a lot of people don't know or choose to either just ignore or some people even take them out of context. But drop down to uh, Matthew chapter 8 and in verse 1, this is what we read as my pages turn because of the fan. This is what we read. When he came down from the mountainside, Large crowds followed him. A man with leprosy came and knelt before him. Wow. Okay. Knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, uh, let me just kind of clarify this a little bit uh, because first and foremost, uh, your Bible, depending on which version you have, might have a note that says leprosy wasn't necessarily the leprosy that we understand today. It was usually any kind of skin disease. But the majority of the leprosy was the leprosy that we know today. It wasn't just a skin disease. There, that did exist, and sometimes they use that term broadly. But this was the kind that made people get put away because it was contagious, and they were contained in their own community. And when they went around, they had to yell and notify, hey, I am unclean, so don't come near me. Now, it's one thing when you walk into a crowd or um, like for tech team, you get on a school bus. I realize school's out, but you get on a school bus and people look at you because of the way you're dressed or something about you and think you're weird and say, don't sit next to me. It's another thing when you get on a school bus or walk into a crowd and you have to announce no one can sit next to me because I'm different and you need to stay away. I'm unclean. That's what this person had to do. All right. And it says, uh, when the man came, he knelt down before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. Now, if you have a King James version, it doesn't say he knelt down. It says he worshiped him because the word for knelt down is the Greek word that's used for worship. He didn't just come down and kneel before him. He bowed down, prostrated himself and gave worship to Jesus. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man and he said, I am willing, be clean. Now, the word clean that's used there isn't just like medically clean. It's, it's, it's a Greek word, and that Greek word is where we get our word catheter from. And a catheter, for lack of a better term, kind of cleans you out, for lack of a better term. And the reason that they use this word is because the idea was to make you clean, not just heal you, which is like make you whole, But what Jesus wanted to do was make him spiritually clean. And and whenever Jesus healed someone, his focus and his priority was on making people spiritually clean as opposed to, yeah, I want you to be physically well, but I want you to be spiritually whole. 
All right. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone or immediately he was cured of his leprosy. Then Jesus said to him, see that you don't tell anyone, but go show yourself to the priest and offer the gift Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Again, immediately, immediately he wasn't cleaned. It didn't take hours. It didn't take days. He didn't have to go home and, you know, put some lotion on and bathe in Epsom salts. It was immediately God said it and it was done. All right. Now drop down the verse. 14, when Jesus came into Peter's house, he saw Peter's mother-in-law lying in a bed with a fever, and he touched her hand, and the fever left her, and she got up and began to wait on him. Now, again, immediately, soon as he commanded it, it happened, but here's the other thing, and this is, this is, this is kind of important, right, because um, a lot of people don't understand the whole, how did Jesus heal people? Because sometimes he said it, he spoke it. As soon as he said it, the leprosy was gone. Other times he touched someone. And when he touched them, they were healed. Another time he literally like spit into the ground, which is disgusting to me, but apparently to the guy who was blind, it was worth having it done. He spit into the ground, made mud, and put it on his eyes. Now, you've got to really want to be healed to hear someone going, (laughs) and then hear them going, and then hear them say, come here. I mean, you've got to really, really want to be healed. And apparently he did, but then he did it that way. And there is no, we can't, you can look all through the Bible and over the time after time again when Jesus healed people, there wasn't a formula to it. It's not just every time you have to be touched or every time it has to be spoken. It just was however God wanted to do it in that time, in that circumstance, for that person, for God's purposes. All right. Now, here's the thing. We generally have limitations because, like I said, if it was me and I'm blind and I hear, you know, you hawking a loogie and then saying, come here, I'm going to be like, I'm good. I, I, I don't need that healing that much. And there are some times when people, you know, Jesus would say, go do this and then go do that. And if you really, really wanted it, because some people want it right now, some people are willing to wait. If you really, really want it, it's a matter of being obedient to what Jesus tells you to do. Not what the pastor told you to do. Not what the church said. You should have more faith and do this. What God tells you to do so that you can be healed. All right, moving on. Verse 16, when evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him. And he drove out the spirits with a word and healed all the sick. And this was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet Isaiah. He took up our infirmities and carried our diseases. Now, since God is a spirit, um, Jesus has dominion over spirits because Jesus is God. And I don't want to spend a lot of time on this because next week we're going to come back. uh, I think it's next week or the week after and talk about demon possessions because it's a way that God cleanses spiritually. And I don't want to just gloss it over because there are a lot of people that have so many misunderstandings about this. But if you drop down the verse um, 28, we're going to touch on it a little bit really quickly. In verse 28, this is talking about now in your Bible, there might be a heading that says the healing of two demon-possessed men, right? In the book of Luke and in the book of Mark, it only talks about one demon-possessed man. Same situation, exact same circumstance, and it's not that there's a disconnect in your Bible, okay? 
but it's that from the perspective of each author, they focused on one or two. Here, Matthew focuses on both. The other authors focus on one because only one of those men comes up later after he's healed and says, Jesus, I want to go with you. So it's likely that they focused on him because he was the one they wanted to show. Hey, after he was healed, he came back and said, I wanted to follow you. But both men were there. It's kind of like if something happens and I only say this half of the room responded, that doesn't mean you didn't. This is the only one I want to focus on for the relevance of the story. All right. But in this account, when he arrived, verse uh, 28, when he arrived at the other side of the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with the son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Now, if you read on, um, he heals this man and he casts the demons out of them again just by speaking. And, and I, I, I really want to do service to that level of what he does because it's powerful and it's spiritually relevant. Um, it's just not the focal, focal point this morning. But when he casts the demons out, he does it by speaking. And if you watch on a lot of TV shows and movies, the way Hollywood pre- you know, presents all the demon-possessed stuff, there's usually some you know, big growing demon and then the person has to come and, and, and put hands on them. And not one time when Jesus cast out a demon... Did he do it by touching the person? He did it by commanding his authority and commanding them. And when you read in the book of Acts, when I think it was uh, uh, other people that tried to do it, uh, it didn't go well for them because they didn't have the authority. And I, I know of a pastor. I'll, I'll share that next week. I'll, I'll, I'll save that account. And it's, this is an uh, uh, account of something I read on the Internet. This is literally a pastor, and I'll share with you uh, next week, his account of when he ran into someone who was demon-possessed. But moving on, turn to uh, chapter 9. And in verse 1, going back to healing, Jesus stepped into a boat, crossed over, and came to his own town. Some men brought him a paralytic lying on a mat, When Jesus saw their face, he said to the paralytic, take heart, son, which is Jesus showing um, 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 just relationship and connection to him. Take heart, son, is what he says. Take heart, son, your sins are forgiven. At this, some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, the teachers who didn't seem to teach with the power and authority of God, but they were responsible for teaching the law. Some of the teachers of the law said to themselves, this fellow is blaspheming. Knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? Which is easier, to say your sins are forgiven or to say get up and walk? But, and this is important, underline this entire sentence, but so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Again, he's showing and demonstrating his authority. Then he said to the paralytic, get up, take your mat and go home. And the man got up and went home. When the crowd saw this, they were filled with awe and they praised God who had given such authority to men. Now, this is crucial because in in that account, uh, it, it sums up some basic understanding of the whole concept of healing and does God heal people today and why are so many people unhealed and if God does heal people today and gives people that authority, why aren't all the Christians who have that 
spiritual gift. Rushing into hospitals and like, you know, who needs Obamacare when you've got people who can just lay hands and, and, and heal people? And, and a lot of people struggle with that and say, well, it must not be true. Or if it is true, it was true then, but it's not true today. And, and I want to give you an, uh, an illustration so that we can understand how that whole healing concept works. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forward for just a minute uh, and ask them to remove the covering off of this uh, so I can um, kind of give you this illustration. Now, while they're doing that, let me share something with you quickly. Three principles regarding healing. You guys just, just take that off. Three principles need to understand this. Keep this in mind as we discuss the whole healing concept. Point number one, when God heals... The priority, the priority is spiritual wholeness. The first thing that Jesus said to this person is, your sins are forgiven. God, yeah, he wants to heal you physically, but the priority, the number one priority is your spiritual wholeness. It doesn't do you any good if God heals you physically, but you are still separated and going to die spiritually. Because physical healing is temporary. Spiritual healing is eternal. God doesn't just want you to walk a little bit better today, but be separated from him for the rest of eternity. The priority whenever God heals someone is spiritual wholeness. Now, number two, as he just said, God has authority to heal, and he demonstrates the authority that he gives to us. There are people today that God gives the spiritual gift of healing. You say, Floyd, how do you know that? Because there are people who have been healed. And you may say, well, that doesn't make sense scientifically, or why aren't they healing everyone in the world? We're going to get to that. We're going to get to that. But God does give people the power and authority to heal people today. Now, the final thing, keep all these in mind. Uh, God is number one priority is making you spiritually whole. He gives people today the authority to heal. And in James chapter 5, here's what it says. Is anyone among you afflicted or ill-treated, suffering evil? This is the amplified version. He should pray. Now, this isn't just if you're sick. If you're just going through hard times, if you're struggling, if you're suffering, if if things are not going the way, then you should pray. You should communicate to God. Is anyone glad at heart? He should sing praise to God. Is anyone among you sick? And this is the key. And, and, And so many people misunderstand the sentence. It says he should call in the church elders, the spiritual guides. Typically what happens is, Someone will say, let's have a prayer healing service. And so a pastor will stand up and he'll say, all of you who are sick, come up and people will come up and they'll pray. And then people will say, well, I didn't get healed. That's because the person who isn't sick is calling the people who are sick. What James says is the person who is sick, he should call the church elders. Because then if I am sick and I say, hey, you know what, Um, Patty, I want you to pray for me. I am putting my faith, not in her, but in God's ability to work through her. That's where the faith is demonstrated. Not in me as a pastor saying, I know you're not feeling good, so let me pray for you. 
you may not have faith that I have the gift of healing. And as far as I know, I haven't yet demonstrated it. That doesn't mean God won't give it to me on a local basis. But when you put your faith in, you are the sick one. It says you should call the church elders because then you are putting your faith in what God can do through them. And they should pray over you, anointing you with oil in the Lord's name. Now, here's the third thing. Uh, God's the priority is your spiritual wholeness. He gives us the authority and the power to heal people. And this is the most important one. Whenever God heals someone, whenever he does that, the reason is to glorify God. Just like what these people did when they saw it, they gave God glory. They praised God. The reason why God heals people is for his glory. When he does it, the priority is, is not in your physical well-being, but in your spiritual well-being. There's a byproduct in that you are physically healed, but the priority is your spiritual well-being. Now, let me show you and demonstrate this. And again, give me a little bit of grace um, as I try to explain this in a way that hopefully everyone can understand. Because God's ultimate goal for humanity is that we would all be with him in heaven for eternity. And so he invites us all to be a part of what is called the marriage supper of the lamb. Is anyone familiar with that phrase? Okay, all right. So the marriage supper of the lamb. So God's intent is that we would all be there. God's intent is that we would all be with him in eternity. We would all take part in this grand feast. Now, from a human regular perspective, um, if you're a mom or a parent and you've had kids and you ever had to call them to dinner, uh, how many families still do dinner at the table and you invite all the family, right? especially like Thanksgiving or Easter when you have a big feast, you know that there are some people who can't wait till dinner. There are some people who want to eat now. And what, what typically happens is, all right, and remember, again, let me, let me, let me put this up here. When God heals, the reason is to glorify God. The priority is spiritual wholeness. When you're a parent or you're a person preparing a feast, your desire is that everyone would come to the table just like God wants us to come to his eternal table. Your desire is that everyone would come to the table. But over here on this side, let's say, there are some people who just for um, whatever reason, they can't wait. Now, if you're a parent, you've had kids that come in and like, when is dinner? When is dinner? I'm starving. I'm hungry. I want to eat. Let me at least lick the bowl. Let me do whatever. And uh, from their perspective, now, I don't know if this has ever happened to you, but I know I have done it back in the day where I would come in, especially in the summer, and it's hot and you're outside playing and you've exhausted a lot of energy and you come home for dinner and you're like, I want dinner now. And of course, no mother on the planet obeys that. All right, she's got a schedule. She knows when dinner is. From my perspective, I was starving. I was hungry. I had something that was ailing me that I felt like needed to be attended to right then. And when we're sick, we have something that's ailing us that we feel like this needs to be attended to right now. And just like the parent who says, you're not starving to death. You're not going to die. I know you can wait until dinner, even though it seems like it's going to be forever, or even though it seems like you don't know when it's going to be. As a parent, I know you can wait. 
And for some of us, when we're sick and we're like, why isn't God healing me? Is because God knows that you can hold on, that this is going to pass, that this isn't going to stop you from doing what he has called you to do. So he just lets you hold on. Does that make sense? Are you with me? Sometimes God doesn't heal people because there is no need to heal people. And some of us, like I've had headaches, I've had stomach aches, I've been, I hate talking about throwing up in church, but you're you're throwing up your sick stomach flu virus or whatever, and you think this is never going to pass. God, by all your power, take it away right now. And the response is another hurl. And you're like, that's not God. But God knows, and you're like, why aren't you taking this away? Because God knows, hey, this is going to pass. This doesn't need my healing. And some of us, what it needs is literally a visit to the doctor because there is a cure for some of the things that ails us. For some of us, it may need just time for that flu to work itself out. God created our human bodies. He knows how our bodies work. For some of us, we just need to hold on. And just like the parent who tells the kid that's starving and the kid's like, I'm going to die. And the parent's like, no, you're not. And it may seem like they don't care. But they know you can wait for the feast. Does that make sense? Now, there are some people where you can't wait. And, and, and as a parent, you've had those kids that, for lack of a better term, throw a, like, a hissy fit. Like, I need food now. I need something. And you're like, no, you have to wait. And they start ripping through the cabinets, and they're pulling out flour. And I need something now. And so you give them, you don't give them the feast. You give them just a little snack, something to hold you over until the feast. And in some cases, when some people are sick, what God does is he says, hey, I know this will pass, but I also know you cannot wait. I also know In this current state, you're not going to be able to do what I have called you to do, so I will heal you. I will answer that prayer. I will let someone come into your circle of influence and heal you. I will. If you call on the elders and they pray over you, you will be healed. And it happens today. And Paul, if you read through some of his letters, he talks about the fact that he had an affliction that God wouldn't take away from him And the reason God wouldn't take it away is because God said, I'm getting more glory out of you operating with it than if I took it away. But for some people, God says, I have to heal you so that you can do what I called you to do in your current state, even though I know this will pass. And even though I know there's a better thing down the road because this healing is physically, it's going to be temporary. My goal is that you would be with me at the marriage supper eternally but I'm going to heal you, and this is going to hold you over. Not, not, I'm not bringing you into full spiritual, the feast, but I'm going to heal you a snack, a spiritual snack, if you will, to hold you over until the feast. Does that make sense? Okay, now, here's the final one, and this is the one that hurts, and it hurts a lot of people because sometimes God says, you know what? A snack isn't going to hold you over. It's not going to stop your pain. And so God says, I'm going to bring you to the feast early. And he brings some people home. And we're hurting and we miss them. But from God's perspective, he's getting glory out of it. 
And that person is now more spiritually whole than we could imagine because they are in the presence of God. And there are some people that, you know, just like the parent who says, okay, I'm sick and tired of you, you know, yelling you're starving and I know a snack isn't going to hold you over. And sometimes, uh, you may remember, we had parents that, that would do this. They would, they would say, okay, here's, here's dinner, okay, but I still want you to come and sit at the table with everybody else. Even though you're eating an hour or two before everybody else because you're losing your mind and you can't, and I'm going to give you right now, but I still want you to come and sit at the table with everybody else. And when God brings those people that are sick and he says, hey, a snack's not going to cut it for you, and I know you can't hold on, I'm going to give you your feast now. They are in his presence now. They get to sit at the table with God now. But we're going to see them again, and we'll all be sitting at the table together. Does that make sense? So some people God tells, hey, you know what? I just need you to hold on. And I know you think that you can't live through what you're going through, but God's on the other side of this knowing not only can you live through it, but I'm going to get glory because of it. And I had a friend, I've said this before, named Jeff Watkins, and he was born blind. He was born with his hands and his body horribly deformed. And for as long as I can remember, um, and from his childhood all the way up to adulthood, uh, he never got to eat food. He had to take food through a straw because his body just wouldn't allow it. And he would oftentimes, we'd be sitting, you know, I'm eating dinner, he's eating a straw, we're talking and hanging out, and he'd be like, ah, oh, you know what, Floyd, I can't, I can't understand why God doesn't heal me. I don't understand why God doesn't make me whole. And he said, I know God has the power to. And then every Sunday he would show up at church. Every Sunday he wasn't at church. He was telling people uh, in the facility where he lived, his nurses and all that stuff, what an amazing God he had. And when they had, um, I, I, I don't know if it was city, county, or state government conversations about helping people with disabilities, he would show up. And he would say, this is why we need to do it. And he would always say, even though God can heal people, sometimes he can't. And then it's up, for you, up to you guys to help us. And when he died, literally all of these government officials, I don't know where they were spiritually, but they showed up because he shared with them what an amazing God he had. And there are some people who, instead of saying, hey, hold on, there's some people who God says, you know what, I'm going to give you a snack. I'm going to heal you. And those are the people who run out and tell other people, yeah, I know I was sick, but God healed me. God made me whole. Have you ever had, and I, and I used to do this, and I don't know, maybe your, your kids probably will do this. Uh, not as much, because this is when people used to play outside a lot. But when your kids would go outside and play, and then you'd say, hey, come home for like, dinner and then you'd have dinner for one and they would bring like five or seven kids from the neighborhood with them like two from this street three from that street and two that you've never seen before in your life and they're all sitting there like what's for dinner you know why because they went out and said hey come eat with me and when God heals us we're supposed to go out and invite other people to the table that God has prepared for all of us But again, then there's those circumstances. Yes, for some, he says, hold on, I'm not going to heal you. For some, he says, I'm going to heal you. But again, this is only temporary. And there's for some, he says, I'm not going to heal you, but I'm going to take you home. And it's hard 
and it's difficult to understand. And for some of us, sometimes there are people who get angry at God because there's someone that they loved and God didn't heal them and he took them home. And we get angry at God and we're yelling at God and we walk away from the church and we walk away from God and God is thinking, I healed them better than you could ever imagine. I made them spiritually whole and they're sitting at the table waiting for you when you get to come sit at the table. And God doesn't want us to be angry. We just need to understand that sometimes he's not going to heal us and we'll get over the sickness. Sometimes he'll heal us and we need to go invite others to the table and tell them what God has done in our lives. And sometimes God in his mercy and his grace is going to take them home and give them the ultimate healing. So I'm going to ask the band to come up and as they do, I'm going to ask you, what is God trying to teach you? What is God trying to show you? For some of us, God's trying to show you that, hey, I know you've been dealing with some, something physically or something sick or something whatever for years or decades. And you're wondering, why won't God heal me? And God's saying, hey, because I'm getting more glory out of it. You're going out, not because you're whole, you're going out with this ailment and still telling people what an awesome God you serve. That's 10 times better than a rich, wealthy, physically fit person going out and saying, what an awesome God we serve. And some people that maybe God has healed you and maybe God wants you to go and tell others what he has done in your life. And maybe for some of us, we have family members that we know that are going through stuff. And maybe God is teaching us or trying to tell us, hey, we need to go tell them, hey, God's not as concerned with your physical condition as he is with your spiritual condition. So I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and then we're going to enter into a time of worship. But I'm going to ask you to bow your heads and just let God speak to your heart right now. God, we know that this is probably one of those topics that we just hate to talk about, hate to think about. Because it means either we have not been healed and we're still dealing with an ailment or we're remembering a loved one who succumbed to an ailment. But God, what we want to be able to understand is that there are people in this room and in our circles of influence that either we're still going through stuff and you're telling us we're still hurting, we're not physically full or whole, but you're telling us you're more concerned with our spiritual condition than our physical condition, and you're just asking us to hold on. God, there are some of us that you have healed, you have brought us through so many things, and maybe what we need to do, because we haven't done it yet, is go out and tell others what an awesome God we serve, and we need to invite other people to come to the table. And God, for pretty much every one of us, we've all lost someone to some sickness, to some hurt, to some accident, to whatever. And God, that doesn't mean that you don't love us. And it doesn't mean that you don't love them. And for some of us, we still haven't gotten over that pain or that loss. And we ask that now, by your goodness, by your grace, by your power, that you would begin to ease that hole in our hearts. 
and just fill it with your amazing love. And God, for those of us who are here saying we want to be healed, allow us to understand that it is only by your grace and by the power of your blood that we are healed and your primary reason for healing is to give you glory and the priority is that your blood would cleanse us spiritually way more than physically. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. You know, God says in his word, like we just read, that if anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and they will pray for him. So we're going to do communion a little bit different this morning. I'm going to ask everyone to just be seated. And if you guys could just just play something lightly to bring us to this place. As we laid out these three things, every single one of them, like we said, God wants to be with him. But again, God heals people as they come and they ask for his healing. And if there's anything I know, I know it's that, you know, here we're a little reserved. We don't come running and screaming down the aisle saying, heal me or any of that stuff. But I will say this, every one of us has been in a place where we have needed God's healing and we cried out to God. So I'm not going to ask everyone to partake of communion. I'm just going to ask if you're here and you say, God, I want you to heal me. We're not going to ask you what from. We're not going to ask you what it is. But you feel like God has been telling you, hey, you know what? Hold on. I'm going to ask you to stand. And I'm going to ask the ushers to come real quick. And uh, we're going to just do communion for you right now. For those people who say, I want God's healing. And we're going to pray over you. And then we'll take it from there. So if you're here and you say, hey, I'm in need of God's healing, then come. Come over here to this side.
an awesome Sunday. God bless. See you next week. Woo!